This week on One Body Stewarding God's Creation, Barbara Gaskill, founder and director of the Mother Angelica Tour in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, talks about the legacy of Mother Angelica. Roper conducts the interview. One body, God's creation. Barbara Gaskill, um, we're going to be talking about Mother Angelica's 99th birthday. Um, so we are we are grateful, Barbara, for you being on the phone. Are you there? I'm here. Thank you, Kelly. Excellent. So I don't have any of your intro information, um, so I'll let you do your own intro. But before we do that, we also know that all good things begin with prayer. So would you be willing to lead us in a prayer um, for this next um, time on the phone? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Dear Father in heaven, we praise and thank you for all the many, many blessings you have given us. We thank you for the gift of our life, the gift of our faith, the gift of this radio network, Divine Mercy Network. We thank you for the gift of Mother Angelica's life. And uh, we especially, Lord, thank you for the gift of the Eucharist. We ask you to send your Holy Spirit to all those who are listening today and touch their hearts and help them to realize how very important this network is that we bring the truth of Jesus Christ to the airwaves. Mm. We thank you, Jesus, for all your blessings, and we ask you, dear lady, to intercede for us, wrap us in your mantle, and help us in all that we do today Mm. and always, as we say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. Dear St. Raphael, please pray for us. Mm. St. Catherine of Siena, pray Pray for for us. us. And Mother Mary Angelica. Pray, pray for, for us. us. Absolutely. The Father, and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Oh. so wonderful to always start with prayer. It's our bedrock, isn't it, Kelly? It is. I don't know. You know, I, I'm sure I do not pray. I know I do not pray enough. Wow, what a, what, a, what a treat it is to be able to talk about Mother Angelica's 99th birthday. We should start, though, with a little bit of introduction about yourself, um, if you want to share a little bit about you. Sure. So the short story is that I'm the director of the Mother Angelica Tour and Museum here in Canton, Ohio. Um, Started a little bookstore back in 1989, and God just blessed us and blessed us. And now we have a a center with a chapel and um, just a lot of things going on. We also have an EWTN affiliate here, Kelly, the Living Bread Radio Network. Mm. And so we feel like it's kind of come full circle because, you know, Mother started here uh, was was born and and grew up here, and um, since we're the hometown of Mother Angelica, the trustees we've been we prayed for years. What can we do? What can we do? And we decided to start the Mother Angelica tour because we figured people would want to know about this amazing woman when you know she's canonized. <laughs> I mean, they want to know about her now, and and when she's canonized, I think people will come from all over the world. So what we did, we're just trying to lay the groundwork here for years to come, for people to come and find out about this little nobody from Canton, Ohio, who ended up 
through amazing gift of the Holy Spirit, starting the largest religious network in the world. And you and I are here today, Kelly, because of her. You know, yeah. we're on the airwaves because of all the work that she did. Yes. And um, it's just amazing. I'm just honored to be a part of that. Since, of course, when the, the COVID event happened, we weren't able to do the tours, um, but we had been working towards starting a museum. And so that when we had to shut down for a while, our, our center had to shut down. The radio network never shut down. Yeah. But we opened the museum. And uh, some of her family still lives in the area. So we have some memorabilia from her early years. And um, we just want to tell her story. A lot of people, I think, Kelly, know things, miracles and things that have happened in Alabama. Um, some people know how she started the network. But I think when you know the backstory, um, you're probably not old enough, but Paul Harvey used to say the rest of the story. Yeah. And, um, and that's sort of what it is here. It's the rest of the story. When you learn the backstory of where she started, if you had admiration for her before, you will have so much more admiration for her after you learn where she came from, the hard scrabble um, beginning that she had, and then to see what God did through her life. Just by saying yes to Jesus Christ, we know that you can literally change the world because your network, I think I saw you folks have, what, four stations? Yes, yes. And Living Bread Radio Network here in, in Ohio, we have three stations, and there's like 500 radio stations Catholic radio stations in the United States, Kelly. Uh, and isn't that awesome. amazing? And then the whole television network and the yeah. shortwave network. Yeah. And so she literally has taken the gospel that we should go to the ends of the earth and spread the good news of Jesus Christ. And she took it literally. And I think, I think EWTN says they're in something like 143 countries. And there's only about 170 countries in the world. So... Um, she has literally taken the good news of Jesus Christ all around the world. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? <laughs> it is. It, it truly is. I mean, and and just you know, I I am always I always absolutely marvel at just her her complete trust. When you hear the backstory, and I'll let you share a little bit about that if if you think we have time um, to to share a little bit about that backstory, but just her complete trust. That, you know, when, when experts are telling her, Mother, this will never work. And she mm -hmm. says, I saw St. Michael. It's yes. going here, you know. And and, yes. and just that, that I, I would say, oh, it won't work. Okay, well, you know, I would trust the experts, right? But no, she, her faith was so strong that, that she just had this complete trust. And I just marvel at that. Yeah, and she, you know, of course, she as you were talking about earlier about praying, she prayed a lot. She spent a lot of time in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And so she had the courage, you know, to, to follow her convictions. Yeah. Um, I've heard her say a couple times on television that her sisters said that she had the eighth gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you know what the eighth gift of the Holy Spirit is? No. Gut. <laughs> guts. There you go. And, you but go. it's holy guts. Yeah. You know, it's it's holy a courage uh, to to do what she believed God wanted her yeah. to do, you yeah. know, and and uh, um, very very difficult early life. Mm 
She didn't grow up, you know, just in the, the best, you know, richest home, the best circumstances. So give us a little bit of that backstory. Well, she was born, you know, during a prohibition, and she born in Canton, a small town in northeast Ohio, uh, kind of a working class town, a couple blocks from the railroad tracks. Her parents did not have a very good relationship. They had a pretty rocky relationship. By the time she was five years old, her father had left and uh, ran off with a woman and went to California. Mm. So, um, you know, you're talking the 20s, you know, 1923, um, and you have this Catholic family that's now, um, as we would call today, a broken home. So um, very, very difficult time period. Um, Didn't have a dad around. Um, when he was around when she was young, he was rather abusive to her mother. Um, so um, just a really hard way to grow up. And I think um, she's such a role model for our times today, Kelly, because a lot of people have difficult childhood, um, you know, don't have a dad around. And that really has a, a real reflection on, um, you know, how you grow up. Right. Um, in fact, in later years, she said she only saw her father seven times in her life. Wow, um, wow. So she, um, she and her mom tried to make do, and uh, then uh, her mom got involved. They lived right near the um, St. Anthony Catholic Church. It was an Italian neighborhood. It was an Italian neighborhood that was ruled by something called the Black Hand, and the Black Hand is part of the Mafia. Mm. And Canton, in those days was known as Little Chicago. In fact, they said when it got too hot for Al Capone in Chicago, he came to Canton. So um, it was a very difficult area. They called it the jungle in those days. So she saw a lot of um, things that you probably shouldn't see when you're a little kid. And uh, then her her mom got involved in the church. Uh, They moved in with her grandparents because they couldn't make it on their own uh, with her uh, maternal grandparents. Then they started getting involved in St. Anthony's Church. The pastor decided to move the church because the church was in disrepair, and someone had given property a few blocks away, and the church was in a bad area where there were pool halls and gambling and just a a bad area. And he wanted to move it also so that his families could get out of that. And the Black Hand was not happy about him moving the church. But the bishop allowed it, and, and it went forward, and it took a year or so. And after the church was built, uh, the pastor uh, was in the church, oh, probably six months after it was built, and went to the back of the church to um, do a baptism after Sunday morning mass. And a woman came up, a parishioner, and um, shot him point blank, mm. assassinated him in the church. Mm. So it was a national sensation. (laughs) And so here's little Rita Rizzo. She's five or six years old. Her father has left. Her pastor has been assassinated. And a few months later, that was in 1929, the stock market crashed. Pretty tough. You see why she had the strength she had to endure a lot of the things that she endured because she chose the strong route. She chose to be a strong person, and she helped her mother. They were on their own together for many, many years. So she helped her mom. She tried to do things to 
help make money and kind of grew up, you would say that she really didn't have a much of a regular childhood. Then she became, when she went into high school, she uh, got sick, very, very sick, sick to the point where she couldn't eat and they were really afraid that she might lose her life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but her mom knew of a woman in town who was a um, stigmatist who had seen our Lord, and uh, she took her to see this woman. Her name is Rhoda Wise. She's now servant of God, Rhoda Wise. She's on the road to sainthood. Through that, uh, she went to see Rhoda Wise, and Rhoda gave her a novena to St. Therese, the little flower, and said, pray this novena. And uh, in, on the ninth day, when little Rita prayed the novena, she was healed. Wow. She was completely healed. And that completely changed her life. She said, I saw a quote where she said, I always wondered if there was a God And if there was, why I couldn't have a family like everybody else did? Because I felt like God didn't love me. And after she was healed, it completely changed her life. And she said, I knew there was a God and that he loved me. And all I wanted to do was give my life to Jesus. And that was the turning point that changed everything. And ultimately, um, you know, put us where we are today with uh, spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. Because all she wanted to do was tell people about Jesus Mm. after he, because he was real to her. He was real. And uh, it's really pretty incredible to think that there may be two canonized saints from Canton, Ohio. Uh, Rhoda Wise is on the way. She's, uh, She's gone through the local diocesan study. Her cause is in Rome. And they know it's been open because they've asked for more information on the miracle that's been sent to them. There's been a lot of miracles, but Mm -hmm. they they sent a miracle, you know, for them to study. So it's pretty amazing to think that um, there may be two canonized saints from here. In fact, um, EWTN is going to be doing the show um, They Might Be Saints. They're going to be filming here uh, this summer. Uh, about Rhoda Wise. So really, it's exciting because we get people from all over the country coming here, and um, and they're not even saints yet, Kelly. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's exciting times, and um, hopefully down the road when I'm gone, you know, it'll be a, there'll be a, a foundation laid here that people will be able to build upon and learn who was this woman that, that did all this. We need to take a short break right now, but don't change that dial. We'll be right back with more about the legacy of Mother Angelica with Barbara Gaskill. We're back on One Body, Stewarding God's Creation. One body, one body, stewarding God's creation. With Barbara Gaskill. One body, one body. Kelly Roper conducts the interview.
We are talking with Barbara Gaskill and talking about Mother Angelica's 99th birthday. And I asked her about, she had mentioned a Mother Angelica tour that she has been organizing. So I asked her to tell us what that tour is. So um, I'll tell you a little bit about the tour. Um, What we did was we decided to, well, what happened was a number of years ago, EWTN brought the family celebration here. I'm sure you've heard of them talking about that. They do it in different parts of the country. Yes. It's like a weekend. And so we, we really encouraged them to come here. That was back when Deacon Bill was still alive. And we encouraged them to bring the celebration here, which they did early on. I think it was like 2008 or 2010. And... Um, when when that happened, I worked with the director of the Rhoda Wise Shrine, and we talked about we should really put something together so people could see where Mother grew up, since everybody was going to be coming from all across the country. So we put together a, a tour uh, on like the Friday before the big event, and we had but we had like uh, buses going every you know three hours, and we we probably ran four or five hundred people through the tour but we didn't let them off the bus we just showed them all the major places five or six places that were really important in mother's life and after that happened we had people write to us or call us or come here and say you know you should do that that was great we were really that was so interesting so we decided to put a day tour together and um, we would start with mass. We would in- encourage people to bring buses from outside the area. And then we would, every month we'd do a local tour, have mass, go to where the church where Mother grew up, go to the Rhoda Wise Shrine where she was healed. We would uh, go to the Rhoda Wise Grave. We'd go to um, St. Peter's Church, which figures into Mother's life and Rhoda's life. And then also uh, the Santa Clara Monastery, where Mother spent about... 17 years as a professed uh, sister before she went to Alabama. Mm. My gosh, we had such a, an amazing response. We had buses coming from outside the state, from around the state. Some of the, in fact, some of the radio stations brought some of their people, you know, to, to the tour. But then, like I said, when COVID hit, it kind of changed things. And we had all this these items and things of mothers that we tried to put out, but we couldn't fit everything out during the uh, lunch break of the tour. And so we were able to, we had a large area here that was a library, and we converted that to the Mother Angelica Museum. And that was, in fact, uh, that was, yeah, that was during COVID. We started the tours as the Lord kind of worked it out. The tour started the day after Mother Angelica died. She died on Easter Sunday, and our first tour was lined up for the following Monday. And so we did the tours for about five years. We had probably had at least, I don't know, three, 4,000 people come through on the tour. And now with the museum, it kind of works both ways. People can come with a bus. In fact, I just got a call from Illinois yesterday. People want to come with a bus. People are starting back doing bus trips and things like that now. Yeah. And, um, and then people can come on their own. Because of the museum, they come here and they can learn the story about Mother. And then we give them information and directions on how to go to some of the other places in the area. Yeah. And uh, it really makes for a wonderful day that you can kind of just kind of recharge, you know, renew. 
just spend some time with the Lord. And I think whenever you read or, or learn a story of someone who's followed Jesus, it's so inspiring. And yeah. it can really be a, a great uplift to your, to your life. Just even, um, you know, come for a few hours and have that time to just spend thinking about the Lord. And um, it's, been, it's been amazing. Um, people, sometimes people just fly in. We had somebody fly in from Texas. Mm. <laughs> it was, it, it was, it's, it's amazing to us because we live here. But when you look at her life, you see, you know, so many people have been so touched by her and by her work that has in turn changed their life. Yes. And when it changes their life, it changes the lives of the people in their circle. Yeah. And uh, it's like that ripple effect, you know, of... Um, how we can all change our little corner of the world. And uh, Mother Angelica did certainly much, much more than that. Yeah, excellent. So let's let's move past, you know, the early life and then talk about the, the time when she's actually starting the shortwave radio and, uh, and, and that part of her life. Okay, well, let me tell you, let me tell you the in-between story. Okay. Every section of her life is so incredible, so okay. unlikely. You know, she goes from being a, a little kid that really doesn't care too much about God. After she gets healed, she really gets into her faith, mm-hmm. and she decides that, you know, it's, it's incredibly important in her life. And so she starts going every day after work, she, by this time, she had graduated high school. Every day after work, she goes to her local parish, and she does the Stations of the Cross because she had a real devotion to the suffering Christ. She, of course, had been through a lot of suffering, and Rhoda, who, had, who she was healed through, um, was a stigmatist. So she was very much into the passion of Christ. Anyway, she does the Stations of the Cross every day, and one day she's kneeling there after she does the stations and she's she thinks that god's telling her to become a nun Mm -hmm. and so she decides that she actually had to run away to be a nun because she knew her mom wouldn't agree to it because her mom was very very dependent on her so she wrote a letter to her mom and had it delivered to her she went like she was going to work in the morning and got on a bus and went to Cleveland and entered the convent and mm-hmm. had a letter sent to her mom. Mm-hmm. So it was very, very difficult time. She was, she knew that's what God wanted her to do, but she couldn't let her mom know about it. So her mom, she and her mom were ultimately reconciled, you know, within that year. But she becomes a nun. She has a really hard time becoming a nun because she's got bad health with her knees and just everything thrown in her way. I'm sure it was the devil throwing stuff in her way because, you know, knowing what what she could do down the road and how she would change the world. But uh, she ended up getting through that, the the early years, and she came back to Canton to start a new foundation here in Canton uh, with a bunch of other nuns. So that was pretty interesting how all that happened. But fast forward to, uh, she probably was in a convent about, I don't know, 15 years or so, and she was having a lot of back problems. She really had so much suffering in her life, Kelly. She had Mm. physical suffering. She just had a tremendous amount of suffering. You know, she had braces when she was on the air. She wore braces because of her back. A lot of people didn't know that because they would hide it with her skirt, with her, you know, habit. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was always in, seemed like she was always in pain. Mm. But she uh, has this terrible back problem while she's in the convent. 
and she's about 30, I think she was 32 or 33, and they try all these things. They put her in a body cast. They put her in traction. They tried everything they could, and she couldn't get any relief, so they decided they were going to do spinal fusion, and she's in the hospital, and the doctor comes in the night before the operation, and he says to her, uh, there's a 50-50 chance you'll never walk again, and she's just terrified she's 32 years old and so she made her famous bargain with god that if he would let her walk again she would build him a monastery in the south and that's how she got to alabama she did have the operation the operation they considered it a success but she had to wear braces and and i mean she could walk but she was it was she was debilitated but she was able to convince her mother superior to start that she made a commitment to God to start this monastery in the South. And uh, originally, Kelly, she went to Alabama, she went to Birmingham to open a monastery to pray for an end to racial tension. Because when all this was going on, that was in the early 1960s, and that was when there was so much unrest, especially in Alabama, Selma and all of that, Montgomery, and she wanted to go down there and um, open a monastery of Eucharistic adoration to pray for an end to racial tension. If I don't know if you remember, you're, I don't know that um, I don't want to insult you because I don't know how old you are, but um, in the 60s they called Birmingham Bombingham mm. because they would bomb black churches, and um, so that's what she went down there for, and. Um, her mother superior granted her the uh, the permission, and um, through a series again a, a series of miracles, uh, raising the money and all, she was able to go down with five other sisters and um, start that monastery. And and they were down there. Gosh, she was down there in the '60s, and then they built the monastery. So she didn't start the television network till the '80s. Um, so they did a lot with, of course, that's a, a big Baptist area, and um, she started doing small things on the radio, local radio stations. They started recording her talks and sending them out. She started writing little booklets, and that sort of propelled her more into the media um, aspect rather than just, not just, but not the Eucharistic adoration that the order is really I mean, that's their whole focus, is Eucharistic adoration. So she started, people started to become aware of her because of the books that she would write. She'd go before the Blessed Sacrament and then just write a little, they called a mini book. And uh, we have a number of those here, um, of her little mini books. And I think EWTN is now um, taking those mini books and putting them into larger books that you can buy from uh, the network, Mm -hmm. uh, some of her uh, early writings. But she was so down-to-earth, and people just really could appreciate her kind of folksy manner. And um, it it just started to grow. People just wanted her to come and speak. And so she didn't start the network. She didn't go down there to start a television network or or a radio network, you know. Yeah. (laughs) You know how God works. Just amazing. Um, So that was a whole other thing that, that she got into the television network, and then after that, the radio network, and now I think um, they're in print media with uh, the National Catholic Register, 
Also, you know, they have a wonderful website that just has so much information on it. And then, of course, all of us that are EWTN affiliates have come from all of that from going to Alabama. So um, really happy to be with you folks today talking about my uh, hometown gal, uh, Mother Angelica. (laughs) And what an honor. You know, Kelly, um, Time Magazine named her the most influential Catholic woman in the United States in 1995. Wow. That's pretty amazing. I think she was... I'm not sure if she was on the cover of Time, but I know she was, we have a Time magazine, I think she's in Time. But if you think about, I was talking to somebody the other day, you know, the bishops had tried to start a television network, and I think they tried for about 10 years, and they spent about 40 or $50 million, and it took this little lady from nowhere, <laughs> a little nobody from nowhere, to um, just try to follow the Lord, what he wanted and and start the network so anyway so she's in alabama and um the order's starting to grow and people are becoming aware of her mother angelica and she goes to a television station she was doing some some filming at a television station local probably birmingham and the fella at the station they were going to show a a uh uh, what was the name of the, uh, Last Temptation of Christ. It was a blasphemous movie. Yeah. And she was upset about it and told him that if he did that, she wasn't going to, she w- she wouldn't come back. And he just kind of scoffed at her. And um, so she, she told him she was going to go start her own network. <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of people remember that story. She went to back to the sisters and she said, oh, brother, what did I do now? But you know, God's grace is just amazing, and uh, they were in the midst of a building prog- uh They were going to build a, um, a garage, and she decided that instead of the garage, uh, they would build uh, a television studio. Wow. And um, that's what they did. And so many miracles uh, came from that. You know, it didn't just... Um, it didn't just happen. You know, just like everything, you have to take that first little step, and God multiplies it, just like Mother. She took that little step, started in a garage, you know, a little television studio, and now it's broadcast, you know, I don't even know how many languages they're in, Kelly. Uh, German, Spanish, they have people coming from Africa to learn how to run radio, run uh, television networks and radio stations on, on different continents. And so that one little, because, because she wanted to defend Jesus Christ, that's what it all boiled down to. She was going to defend our Lord and Savior yeah. because they were going to show something that was blasphemous. And so we have to remember that. We have to defend Jesus Christ. And that's what Divine Mercy Network does. They defend Jesus Christ because there's so much darkness in the world today, and they're putting out the truth and defending Jesus Christ. And so that was always Mother's. She was his spouse, and she defended him. She defended his name, and she defended him. Um, I remember when the problem at the um, World Youth Day, when there was some blasphemous things going on, and she would defend Jesus at all costs. And that's what started the network. And now it's in 143 countries. The the shortwave network is in, I don't even know how many countries. Then we have this wonderful network of 
radio stations here in our country, all of that because mother wanted to defend Jesus Christ. And it just grows and grows. And when you say yes to Jesus, then just sit back and, well, you, you can't sit back. You have to keep working. But when you say yes to Jesus Christ, amazing, amazing things happen through his grace and the power of the Holy Spirit. And we've seen it here in, with the Mother Angelica Museum. It, it, we started with this little idea, and it grew, and it grew. Now we've got, a, we've got a beautiful place here. I really want to encourage people to come. They go to motherangelicamuseum.com. They can see all the beautiful things. We have a, a, a complex here. We have our, our radio network. We have a chapel. We have a spiritual advisor, so we, we're able to have mass once a week. We have a gift shop. We have the museum. We have an outdoor rosary garden. Actually, Kelly, I'm really excited. We're getting ready to put up a, a monument to Mother Angelica. We want to have it ready for her 100th birthday mm-hmm. out in, the, in our back in our rosary uh, garden. So, you know, you just take those little steps, just like Mother, and um, great things happen uh, when we do it for Jesus, and we um, let the Holy Spirit show us where he wants us to go. Talking about the, the, she started the shortwave network, as you were talking about. They said, no, you can't put it here. You can't put the, Yeah. <laughs> and, and she said, no, nope, I, I saw St. Michael, and God told me it goes here, and, and so she did it. And, and it worked, and it worked better it than yeah, better than they even mind. expected. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I think it was even going like into you know places thousands of miles away, right? Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. amazing. <laughs> well, you can't you can't put a limit on the Holy Spirit. Exactly. I would love to share with our listeners. You can do whatever you want to, but I would love to share with our listeners some of the miracles that have occurred after her death. Some of them are quite quite humorous. So can you share with us maybe some of the things that, that have been occurring since since she died? Well, um, I think, you know, I, actually I pray for her intercession every day. So I, I've seen a lot of miracles here in, in um, just in, in our organization. I'm sure there are um, miracles throughout the world, and I'm sure there's, there's probably going to be books and books written um, yeah. Kelly, of people whose lives have been changed in some way by the intercession of Mother Angelica. I believe she's a, she's a wonderful intercessor. Yeah. And like I say, I pray for her intercession every morning. And I can't tell you, you know, I don't know anything about running a museum. I don't know anything about running a radio network. <laughs> I don't really know. I'm not a business person, but I've been doing this for 25 years. And I think Mother's uh, intercession is... I just see her hand in so many things. Yeah. We think, well, that can't happen. We, we, well, well, we'll, we'll see if we can make that happen, but it's pretty unlikely. And then it happens. So I, I think that people all over the world will be able to tell uh, stories of what incredible things her intercession has done. I think um, I sort of think of her as like Sergeant sergeant at arms in, in heaven, you know, because she's a very determined woman, and um, she's like a can-do woman, let's get it done. So uh, that's just kind of how I think of her. Yeah. And I think the, um, and I think all these networks, you know, really were her legacy, Kelly. All of these people that have been touched and all of the people that run the networks, that's her legacy because she's, it just goes on it just in per- perpetuity, all of the people who learn the faith, I believe that she saved the faith 
mm-hmm. in the United States of America mm-hmm. by what she did. And, and that network, Divine Mercy Network, is part of that. You know, helping people come to know the teachings of the faith and then helping them teach others. We help teach people and they in turn teach others. Thanks for tuning in to One Body, Stewarding God's Creation. Folks, heaven is unseen, and so are these airwaves. But if you want to support these airwaves and save souls for heaven, then go to dvmercy.com and click on Donate, or scroll down to the bottom of the front page, and there is the address where you can send in a check. May God bless you for your generosity. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio. If today you hear His voice, harden not your hearts. One body, God's creation.